Thank you very much, Anita. I have an egg here. We're going to have a cause and an effect. The cause is I'm letting go. The effect is that the egg broke. I have a pitcher of water here. We're going to have, again, a cause and an effect. I'm going to take some of this drink mix, and I just merely put it in, and the water turns red. The cause, I put it in. The effect, the water turns red. Israel failed to keep the Mosaic Law. The cause, the effect, they ended up in captivity. You refuse to rejoice in trials as a pattern of life. The cause, the effect, you become bitter. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 14. As we look at some cause and effect in Mark chapter 14, along with some other passages in the Gospel of Mark. Reading together, verse Mark 14, 16, 66 through 72. And then again, looking at some parallel passages. Mark 6, or 14, 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing there or standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. A little while later, those standing near Peter said, Surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. He began to call curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Peter, or then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. As we think about this passage, we want to look at a little background material, what was happening in the Gospel of Mark. What was happening with Peter in relation to the Gospel of Mark to see cause and effect. Let's turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We find in Mark chapter 5, as Christ is being revealed in the Gospel of Mark, that there's a dead girl going to be raised and a sick woman is going to be healed. While Jesus is on the way to the synagogue ruler's house to respond to his daughter, he meets a sick woman and he heals her. But notice what he said, or what scripture says in verse 35 of Mark 5. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, 
the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing. He went in and said, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And you can read on. But the point I want to make is that in verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. Go over to Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. Mark chapter 8 and verse 27, we find that Peter acknowledges that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus and his disciples went onto the village of around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. So Peter says, you are the Christ. We recognize you are the Christ. And then in chapter 8 and verse 31, we find that Jesus speaks of suffering and rejection that is coming. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter proclaimed Jesus as the Christ. But then he turns around and rebukes Jesus when Jesus talks about suffering, when he talks about the cross. Look at Mark chapter 9. We won't read the entire passage, but in verses 2 through 13, we have the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, emphasized Peter, James and John with him, led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone whiter than anyone in the world, could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who was talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Again, the point is that Peter speaks. In Mark chapter 9, 30 through 32, we find Jesus speaks of the fact that he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be killed. And then there's going to be a resurrection. Again, he's speaking to the disciples, and Peter was present. In Mark chapter 14, 27 through 31, we find that Jesus says Peter's going to... Deny me. In Mark 14, reading verse 27, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, that would be the eleven, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. Somewhat of a proud, arrogant response. 
Verse 30, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the other said the same. And I want you to notice again that Peter is the one who said, I will not fall away. And Jesus says, you will deny me three times. That was spoken directly to Peter. In Mark 14, 32 through 42, which we discussed a number of weeks ago, Jesus told the 11, or particularly the three, to stay and keep watch. And in verse 35, it says, Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And I want you to notice, he says, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus is speaking to Peter. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watching with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Directed at Peter. Peter was clearly confronted by Jesus to watch and pray. Then in Mark 14, 53 and 54, we find that Peter is again mentioned. After Jesus is arrested, verse 53 and 54 say, they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, elders and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. Then in verses 55 through 65, we find that Jesus is before the Sanhedrin. And what happens? Jesus stands firm. When he is asked in verse 61, again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, Jesus answered. He was not hesitant. He stood firm. He stood his ground. But then we find what happens to Peter in verses 66 through 72. Peter, Jesus, and then Peter. As you look at the text, Mark is communicating something about Peter and about Christ. Peter is contrasted with the steadfastness of the Son of God, that is Christ. And the early church, Rome, needed that. They're going through persecution. And he had told the disciples, he had told Peter, watch and pray. They're going through persecution themselves, and we know Jesus watched and prayed. So as Rome, the Roman believers would read this and they would hear this, they would say, we don't want to be like Peter who didn't watch and pray. We want to be like Jesus who watched and prayed. I think the artistry of this passage is very memorable because of the contrast is between two rocks. 
Christ the rock, the spiritual rock that accompanied Israel into the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. And is now the foundation of the church, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. The other rock is Peter, Petras, a small rock so named by Christ, who crumbled under pressure as he is questioned as to who he is. And as you think about Peter and what happens in verses 66 through 72, he denied Jesus three times. And it was also on three occasions that he should have been praying, watching, and praying. Notice what the text says in verse 66. When Peter was below in the courtyard, apparently he had an open courtyard. Then you had an upper area where Jesus would have been up here. And he's before the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas. Peter is down below. He's in the courtyard. And we know that March, April, the time of year, there would still need for a fire. And verse 54 says he was warming himself at the fire. But while he is there, one of the servant girls of the high priest comes by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him closely. Her response, you also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. She observed him, figured out he was with Jesus. But what happens? Peter denied it. I want you to notice in verse 68, he denied it. And he says, I don't know or understand what you're talking about. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't have a head knowledge of this guy. I don't understand. I don't have a practical knowledge of this man. What did he do? He went out into the entryway. A change of place is no substitute for a change of heart. He changed his location, but he still didn't change his heart. When the servant girl saw him there, she said, again, now she brings in the others. Before it was just her talking to Peter. She says to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And what does he do again? He denies it. The imperfect tense of denied there implies that he went off on explaining, no, he couldn't know this man. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them. You're a Galilean. Now, other people are brought into the picture. Those that are standing near to Peter claim that he knows. Notice his response in 71. He began to call curses on himself. He swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. 
open, blatant denial. And he calls down curses on himself. Very, very emphatic. And he swore to them. What is involved in that, the text does not say. But he denies very, very clearly that he knows the Christ. And it's interesting that Peter claims he doesn't know Christ. He's just being asked, you surely know the man. When Jesus is asked, are you the, ble- or the son of the blessed one? He says, I am. Peter stands in marked contrast to Jesus. Peter has a simple thing. You know the man. Yeah, I know the man. No, he denies it three times. And then the third time he calls curses down on himself and he swears to them that he doesn't know him. But Jesus is being asked, are you the son of the blessed one? I am. Peter renounces knowing Christ. Christ stands firm. I am. Yes, I am the son of the blessed one. And not only that, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. What happens to Peter? Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Just as Jesus said, Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. We can read about Peter. We can read about his encounters with Jesus. We can read about his rebuke. He was in the Mount Mount of Transfiguration. He denied, and he clearly stated very boldly that he would not deny Christ. But we find that the text is structured in such a way. Peter is stated where he is. Then Christ goes through his trial or being before Caiaphas, the high priest, and then Peter is brought up again. I think the point of the passage is that Jesus is the son of God, knew what would take place concerning Peter. It is fulfilled, confirming that he is the son of God. But I think it also clearly communicates the lack of preparation through watching and praying is the cause, is very obvious in Peter's three denials, the results, a result. There's a cause and effect in Jesus' life. The cause, he spent three hours in praying to his father. He could stand before Caiaphas, and as we'll discuss in future weeks, he's before Pilate, and he stands firm. Peter did not prepare the cause. He slept. The effect, he denied even knowing Jesus. He slept three hours. What did he do? He denied knowing Jesus three times. Now envision the church at Rome hearing this passage and they're thinking, we're being persecuted. 
We're sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. Are we going to be prepared by watching and by praying? We're going to be a Peter. We're going to be a Christ. Let's think about some applications in our own life. In spite of Peter's denial, Jesus continues towards his trial and death. He was obedient in the midst of Peter's denial. He stood his ground due to being prepared, according to chapter 14, 32 through 37, or 32 through 42, and then also Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. Preparation was the cause. His standing firm was the effect. Peter's 3D full denial is directly linked to his threefold lack of preparation. Notice back in chapter 14, in verse 35, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the air might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, in verse 39, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Clearly, the threefold denial is linked to the threefold neglect of preparation. There's the parallel of a cause and an effect. The cause of victory in temptation is to watch and to pray. Whether it be the Roman believers, whether it be Christ, or even Peter. Christ allows Peter to fail in denying knowing Christ so that there would be repentance. The end result is that on the day of Pentecost, Peter spoke with boldness. Humbling comes before dependency. Until we are weak, we don't watch and pray. See, Peter thought, I have it all together. Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And Jesus said, watch and pray. And what did Peter do? He slept. It was after his third denial that he wept. And he broke down. Hudson Taylor said, God chose me because I was weak enough. He trains someone to be quiet enough and little enough and then uses him. Vance Havner put it, the Lord had the strength and I had the weakness, so we teamed up. It was an unbeatable combination. One master preacher testified, I've learned this repeatedly in my own life. When my strength is depleted, when my rhetoric is unpolished by human talent, when I am weary, the Lord has a much better tool for empathetic, sensitive communication. The barriers are down. When I know I can do nothing by myself, my poverty becomes a channel of his power. More than that, often when I feel I've been least efficient, 
or effective with people, God has helped me the most. End of quote. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing greatness is from God and not from us. Christ allowed Peter to be broken. Christ allowed him to deny three times. And then we have the day of Pentecost. Reformer Thomas Kramer, who was under duress, was forced to write recanate or to re- write that he recanted his faith. Later he stood in the great St. Mary's at Oxford and renounced the fact that he had recanted, promising that if he was burned, the hand which wrote what he recanted would burn first. And when he died at the stake, he held his hand into the flames until his life was gone. A weak man. A man who spent some 20 years in Castro's prisons, records how Christian prisoners before firing squads regularly shouted, Long live Christ the King. Officials began to gag their victims before execution, lest the guards begin to think, only dependence on God can accomplish this. God allowed Peter, Christ allowed Peter to fall. But he extended grace, and we know that he restored him, according to John chapter 21. Failure, sin, can be an excellent teacher of brokenness and dependency. Learn to to confess sin. Learn to confess failure. Don't hide it. Mark records Peter's failure. Luke records Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. God also recorded David's failure. Failure, sin can be an excellent teacher of brokenness and dependency. Let's not be afraid to admit it. Most denials of Christ today in our valley come in various forms. We join in when our government is criticized rather than encouraging people to speak respectfully of those in authority over them. We're silent in the midst of a creation-evolution discussion rather than speaking up and maybe communicating gently and kindly what God would say. You ask a pointed question about work. What makes you different? Why do you respond to this way to a coworker and you're just silent rather than saying it's Christ at work in me? Daily watching and praying on the job, or in school. Basically, as we go to our jobs, we know what we're going to face. We go to school, we know what we're going to face. 
praying about that. Watching beforehand. A relational struggle. Watching and praying. There's some people you struggle with. You have a hard time forgiving or you have a hard time speaking kindly to them. Talking to God, watching and praying before you encounter them. That's part of watching and praying and walking with God. How about just a plain de- right, a right decision? Watching and praying, talking to God. Or grandparenting, choosing not to drift, but rather choosing to be faithful. How about dating? Going to go out with a guy, going to go out with a girl, and you know there's going to be a strong temptation there. You watch, you pray, you surrender to God. Watching and praying is basically surrendering to God, to Christ. How about media and technology? There may be temptations, and there are temptations in media and technology. Watching, praying, surrendering to God. How about eating? Or how about finances? Or about sickness and death? We all know death is coming someday. Are we watching and praying as we get older to prepare for that? That we might die well? Something that isn't talked about very much, but yet watching and praying. Local churches watching and praying. Sickness and death. So someone comes and says, how's Roynbrook doing? And a person responds and says, we're doing well because we're watching and praying. Some are dying and others are going to die. And we're watching and praying. We're preparing for it and we're dying well. We don't hear that kind of thing, do we? But it's part of life. Local church being prepared for that. How about just body life? In Sunday school, we've been discussing the one another's We struggle sometimes in applying to one another, such as confessing your sins, forgiving one another, admonishing one another. So we watch and pray as a body, saying we know we're struggling. We struggle in applying to one another's, but we want to be faithful in applying to one another's. Just watching and praying as a pattern of life. There's an older couple that I know. No one here this morning, just so you don't try to figure out who it is. An older couple that I know, they attempted to raise their children in somewhat of a godly way. But as their children grew up and left home, things began to change. They no longer were so concerned about fellowship with believers. They were no longer so concerned about relationships in the one another's. And at this point in life, they profess Christ. But their grandchildren have no example to follow as far as relating to Christ, relating to the body of Christ. In relating to the one another's experiencing shepherding and just continuing a passionate love for God. Why? They didn't watch and pray. They didn't prepare for what was coming as their children left home. Think of the teenager 
We moved into the teen years, came to the point of dating, not watching and praying, and ended up in sexual sin over an extended period of time because of watching, not watching, and not praying. Cause, effect. Cause, effect. Are present. Here's a balloon. Get ready. The pin is the cause. The effect is that the balloon pops. Think about life. Watch and pray. Peter did not watch. He did not pray. Jesus watched and prayed. And apply it to life. Daily life. Tough situations that you know are coming. There's causes and there's effect. May the cause be watching and praying and the effect be faithfulness. With those thoughts in mind, let's sing together as Travis comes to lead us.